0: Hey, folks, if you've been listening to our show, you've probably heard Victor talk about Hillsdale College. It's one of the few colleges in the U.S. still interested in teaching truth. What you probably didn't know is that they have over 40 free online courses, and Victor is one of the professors in three of those courses, American Citizenship and Its Decline, based on Victor's book, The Dying Citizen, How Progressive Elites, Tribalism, and Globalization Are Destroying the Idea of America, The Second World Wars, based on his book by the same name, and Athens and Sparta, partly based on his book, A War Like No Other, How the Athenians and Spartans Fought the Peloponnesian War. Don't you wish Victor would have been one of your professors in college? Well, now you can join him as he covers some of the main ideas of his books with Hillsdale College's online courses All available for free. That's right, for free. The courses are seven to nine episodes long, and they are self-spaced, so you can take them whenever and wherever. I think I'm going to start with American citizenship and its decline, where Victor explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state and the rise of globalist organizations hey start your free course with Victor Davis Hanson today go right now to hillsdale.edu/vdh to start it's free and it's easy to get started that's hillsdale.edu/vdh to start hillsdale.edu/vdh Hello
1: to the listeners of the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Victor is a scholar, author, columnist, essayist, and political and cultural commentator. You can find him at his website, victorhansen.com. The name of the website is The Blade of Perseus, and you can get a subscription for $5 a month or for $50 a year. So please come join us, and you can also just sign up for free so that you get our newsletter and we send out his most recent articles and podcasts etc probably every two or three days because there's always something on the website so it's definitely a great bargain so come join us today on our show we're going to be looking at a few of the current news stories and then we're going to take a deep dive into the ukraine and proxy wars as we get towards the end but first let's listen to these messages and we'll come right back
0: Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Victor. TNUSA.com slash Victor. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors. No prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer. Thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So, no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? For our listeners, Factor is giving you 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month when you use the promo code VICTOR50 at factormeals.com VICTOR50. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Remember, to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month, head to factormeals.com/victor50 that's v i c t o r 50 and use the code victor50 that's code victor50 at factormeals.com/victor50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active.
1: Welcome back. I would like to remind everybody that Victor is the Martin and Illy Anderson Senior Fellow in Military History and Classics at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marcia Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. Victor, how are things going today? As uh, what's the pulse on the the nation today are we gonna start so, to pull out of out of our slump at all
2: uh, a- Joe Biden gave a an economic address and he said that you could only ask questions about it because if he didn't require that stipulation nobody would ask a question and so I listened to part of it and it was he had a good jobs report I mean we're getting two different sets of data we're getting these massive layoff statistics say from california's silicon valley and then we're saying 500 new jobs and the left says this is wonderful and the right said no it's just that you can't make a living under seven percent inflation anymore so people are taking additional jobs and that accounts for a lot of the 500 new jobs and as i feel some like you know i i'm I work at the, the Hoover, and then I do podcasts. It would be like me saying, oh, I got a new job doing podcasts. Oh, I got a new job writing Ultras. Oh, I got a new job writing for two columns a week for American Greatness. Oh, I got a new job uh, writing books for Basic Books. Oh, I got a new job uh, as a member of the Bradley Foundation. That's, that's the argument. That people yeah. are getting additional jobs to get by. Yeah. And and so Biden, and then of course he didn't mention the balloon. I listened to the we'll talk about that, but I listened to the DOD's Pentagon uh, press conference. It was pretty pathetic, but you can yeah. go ahead and ask.
1: Well, yeah, let's just go with the balloon first, since that's the most pressing thing. So we have a perhaps a A spy balloon over Montana. What are your your thoughts on it?
2: Moving into Kansas. Well, I listened to the spokesman at the Pentagon, and this is what I learned. One, this is not a weather balloon. It is a surveillance balloon, as if we didn't know that. I don't think China is interested in the weather over the United States. Two, it was going over defensive ICBM sites i.e. mapping them out for potential targeting. Three, that didn't matter because they took um, they took measures to prevent that balloon from taking photographic evidence that would be incriminating. I don't know what that means. Four, that was a violation, we were told, of U.S. sovereign airspace. Five, it was a violation of international law. Six, they have to be careful that if they were to shoot it or it might endanger or oh, no excuse me, let me start over it does not endanger American people. Well, think of that for a minute. it does endanger American people if this particular system has a superior or an improved ability to surveil than a regular satellite in which some some studies show that in fact they do so in other words if the United States government knows that China sent a surveillance balloon over our territory at fifty to sixty thousand feet, and they didn't do anything about it because they said, "Well, you know, they had the capability anyway because of satellites, and it didn't hurt anything because we took." what well, why should we have to worry? Why should we have to take defensive measures? What put tarps over our ICBM sol- silos? I don't know. When they're buying farmland all around it so the point i'm making is it's the same old same old why didn't we just shoot the sov down and china would have considered that something to take an account when we were magnanimous i always use that old formula they look at our magnanimity as weakness to be exploited and not as you know conciliation to be reciprocated so when they look at that that's what they conclude. In fact, I would go so far as that had a dual purpose. One was to surveil ICBM sites and military bases, and the other was to gauge our response, i.e. as they prepare to go into Taiwan in the next year or two, they're thinking, well, we'll try to have, they probably have a list of provocations. We'll allow North Korea to send a missile over Japan, see what the U.S. says. We'll go into Japanese or Taiwanese waters, see what the United States says. We will tell Kevin McCarthy he can't go to Taiwan. We'll see what the United States says. We will send a balloon over U.S. bases. See what the United States says to see if they see a pattern in the Biden administration. And that would then therefore, as Hitler thought, remember, well, I went into Czechoslovakia. I went into the Saarland land. I had the Anschluss, all forbidden by the Versailles Treaty. Why did they declare war on me when I went into Poland? I'd been doing it for three years. So it's very dangerous when you don't respond. It's much more dangerous than responding. That was number one I thought of. Number two, this is a pattern with this Pentagon. And think of Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs. We were told the chairman of the Joint Chiefs decided for now they were not told Biden, supposedly not to respond. Okay. But Mark Milley was the one that we learned uh, contacted his PLA, People's Liberation Army counterpart in Beijing, to say, essentially, I think that Trump is unstable. If he orders me to go to DEFCON, blank, blank, I'm going to call you up and warn you I'm not going to do it, which I thought was a treasonous act and should have been, a, a, you know, I'm serious about uh, punished accordingly.
1: Yeah, sure. This it is, should have been addressed. Yeah.
2: yeah. And then here's the same Mark Milley, who assured us, along with his Pentagon cohorts in June and July, that the Kabul government was stable when Joe Biden was lying about how big the army was and how it was invulnerable to Taliban attacks. And then we were told by the same Pentagon that this was one of the most impressive evacuations, as if they're Churchill ordering Dunkirk, right? Which Churchill at least had the honesty to say it was a You don't win a war by evacuations. It was a defeat. And then this is the same Pentagon that uh, in the summer of 21, as you remember, uh, Lloyd Austin and Mark Milley testified before Congress and virtue signaled and performance art their way into caricature. When he said, "I'm trying to, you know, we we have Kendi reading reading list, and I'm trying to understand white supremacy and white privilege and white rage," and that was an accompaniment of all of these diversity, equity, inclusion czars They've hired some of whom have been in the news for blatantly racist pronouncements, but the net result was they basically took a constituency, as I've been harking on the white male constituency that died at twice, 75% of the deaths in Afghanistan and Iraq, roughly, were white males who, you know, make up 34% of the, of the population. And they targeted that constituency as if they had to prove they weren't racist, and that they were the targeted constituency uh, to have to prove that that the diversity, equity, and inclusion industry would be Uh, focused upon. And lo and behold, if you look at the military recruitment in some areas, it's all 50%, which suggests to me, and and I looked at the data very carefully, and of that 50% that has opted out, most of them, not all, but most of them are white males, as you would think, that tend to focus on combat units. So in other words, he insulted the the one constituency that, for good or evil, the military has relied upon. And, of course, the Pentagon and Mark Milley told us that the Ukraine would not be around very much longer after the first week of the Russian attacks, which prompted Joe Biden, remember, to offer Zelensky a free ride out of town. And so when I look at all that, and then I see this, it it just cements a picture is what I'm trying to say that this that the pentagon is slowly eroding deterrence and we know what happened with afghanistan it prompted the the putin rate on the february 23rd invasion into ukraine remember biden said a lot of things he said that you know i wouldn't get too angry unless it's a big a big attack Ie, If he just goes in there, (laughs) I guess that was okay. But with Afghanistan and the Joint Chiefs and the political correctness and going after white males and accusing them of being racist, and you you put the balloon in on as the cherry on top of the disaster, and I think it's very dangerous because I think the Chinese are thinking, hmm, this is very atypical of the United States, and we don't know how long this is going to continue, because there do does seem to be force a force that's pushing back. So they have a demented, incompetent president surrounded by a bunch of pro-Chinese neo-socialists, and this is an opportune moment to take advantage of this once-in-a-lifetime chance.
1: Yeah yeah it sure does well if i could keep on that the theme of racism apparently ilhan omar was not was kicked off of the foreign affairs committee and the squad we got to see sort of a circus of screaming and yelling at the podium in the house and in fact talibi said the entire house was st- systemically racist and the only reason she got kicked off was because she was a woman and she was black and she started crying on that. And I can't even believe anybody would believe that. I mean, I, I they might be angry she got kicked off, but it was because she was a Democrat, it seems to me. But what were your thoughts on... You uh, know, on
2: just, that? It, was just, it was just psychodrama. And uh, she got kicked off because she's an anti-Semite. And she's an anti-Semite as evidenced by the fact that she said it's the Benjamins baby, meaning... A hundred dollar Benjamin Franklin bill and Benjamin Netanyahu, and then she said, "Oh, something happened on nine eleven. Yeah, they attacked the United States from the Islamic world and killed three thousand people." And then she said, "Well, you know, Israel is hypnotizing the world. So she and she wants to be on the foreign affairs. This is the woman who married her brother." Everybody knows she did. She can't refute it to say that all she did was do what she did the other day, weep and call people racist. And it's not she can be on other. Kevin McCarthy said she could be on other committees. She can be on the Ag Committee. She can be on the Mining Committee, but they're not going to put her on the Foreign Affairs. And if they were racist, as she alleges, then why would they kick off Eric Swalwell uh, from the Intelligence Committee and Adam Schiff? Are they hate, do they hate Eric Swalwell because he passes wind? I don't think so. I think it's because <laughs> he had sex with a feng feng Chinese spy. Yep. And you can't be on the intelligence committee and having sexual intercourse uh, when somebody is tr- having sexual intercourse with you, not because you're Robert Redford and his youth, but because you're an idiot, naive, narcissistic dumbo like Swalwell. Yeah, and and so that's why they took them off. And then she's she didn't say a word, of course, when they took off, uh, Lorraine Burbett and Marjorie Taylor Greene, and of course the people off the January Six Committee. So in other words, take it all out of context, and she says that I'm I am on omar i'm woman a woman i am black i'm an immigrant no you're just a loudmouth anti-semite and you've been kicked off the committee because you've displayed views that make it impossible for you to in matters that will come before the the uh foreign relations committee it'll make it impossible for you to be disinterested but more importantly the speaker is picking people who were especially egregious in retaliation for your party and Nancy Pelosi that inaugurated a new custom in the House that had never happened before that the House minority leaders' nominations to the committee can be rejected. So you're rejected. You can call it iconic and call it, but you're rejected. Swalwell is rejected. Adam Schiff is rejected because he serially went before the cameras, wink and nod, and said, I'm on the House Intelligence Committee. I have matters that you can't have access to, but I've looked at them, and I can guarantee you that collusion is real. And he did that contrary to the Mueller report, contrary to the Nunes majority report, contrary to Michael Horowitz's, contrary to belated investigative journalism. In addition to that, he read a psychodramatic version of the Trump phone call and really didn't tell people he was making it all up as he read it into the record. In addition to that, he swore that he didn't have any contact with a quote-unquote whistleblower when he and Venman and the whistleblower met together, staff, and he did. So he's a pathological liar. And he's very angry, Adam Schiff is, because he wants to run for Senate. And to run for Senate you got to be on TV every time you're on TV. That's so many thousands of free dollars and and ads. And he can't get on if he's not on a high profile committee. Right. Yeah. So yeah. he's mad about that. And that's the only reason he's mad. And I think it's good what Kevin McCarthy he didn't. He's been very careful. He didn't say you're not going to be on any committees. It's this particular person on that particular committee.
1: Yeah. yeah
2: and. And then what was the height of uh, uh, irony is the left said, well, those committees won't be representative then. Uh, was the January 6th committee re- representative? representative? You think that Adam Kinzinger and Lynn Cheney were representative of the majority of House members? You know, this is what's weird about the left. It has this adolescent mind that is so se- self-righteous and sanctimonious. And it's, it just accepts that you don't dare do what we do to you. We tear up the State of the Union on national TV. You don't. We kick off your members from committees. You don't. We try to pack the court. You don't. We vote for or against the filibuster when it's in our interest. You don't. And, you know, finally, I think we finally got a speaker that says, no, we're not going to do that. If this was Paul Ryan right now, I, you know, I have nothing against Paul Ryan, but I, I'm i sure that he would he would have acquiesced and put mm-hmm. her back on.
1: Really? I don't see where they have any claim to actually being on a committee. Why why does she think she has a claim that she should be the one? She's not the one appointing who goes on committees. So Because Nancy
2: Pelosi Nancy Pelosi when these the squad was formed two to four years ago, Presley, Tylee. Omar and AOC was paranoid that this was the new wave of the Democratic Party, i.e. women of color, and they they drove it in uh, ad nauseum into the Democratic Party. So she thought, hmm, I better give each of these people a plum assignment. And plum is measured by the degree of TV exposure. So as I said, if you're on the House Oversight Committee, the House Judiciary Committee, the House Foreign Relations Committee, the House Intelligence Committee, you're going to get a lot of of media. As any crisis, those are where the crises come up. Mm-hmm. House Interior, yeah, but not on some others. Which and so they gave these people rare opportunities because they were scared of them. Yeah, and they were scared of them because these people do these four and others like them scream and yell and they call everybody racist and sexist and the Democratic Party is terrified of them and to be frank there are a lot of people in the house who are Democrats who are of Jewish background that are delighted about this they just can't say so because they they know these people are utter anti semite if you got Adam Schiff in a room and james (laughs) o'keefe operation veritas was not there and you said do you think that omar is an anti semite and you think she should have been off the committee he would agree with you privately because she is and she understands one thing about the current pathology in the united states she comes to this country from a bankrupt failed state and immediately her father and she she kind of laughs at her father said this is a terrible place and then she comes here and she gets fellowships affirmative action she gets there's all sorts of somali, the somali community um fraud and covid they're investigating welfare fraud it doesn't matter she understands this country that instantaneously the moment you come here you're exempt So to get into the United States, she married her brother, right? Doesn't matter. They're never going to go after her. She understands that. The moment that she has this live-in consort, the father of her children, then she starts an adulterous affair with her campaign consultant, PR guy, and starts funneling campaign cash to him while she's dating him. Who now is her husband, she knows that they're never going to go after that. Mm-hmm. She knows they're never going to go after that. So she yeah. understands how this country works at this particular low point in its history that you just call people names and you say they're right. Ra- and everybody says, oh, please don't call me racist. Don't call me anti immigrant. Don't call me sexist. Please, what do you want? I'll give you anything you want. You want to marry your brother? Go ahead. Yeah. You know, you you want to give campaign cash to your boyfriend, and and having if you're Maxine Waters, do you want to hire your daughter and give her two hundred thousand to do campaign work for you? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. That's how we are.
1: Yeah, that is very sad. Well, Victor, let's go ahead and take a break for some messages, and come right back and talk a little bit about Hunter Biden's lawsuit. Please stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: Have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and veggies may actually lower, lower your risk of cancer. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. If not, you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is found in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. Will Field of Greens prevent, treat, or cure cancer? No, but it's so powerful, it promises at your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. I got you 15% off and free rush shipping, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R, for your discount. That's promo code VICTOR at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion. Hunter Biden and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events. And you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.
1: Welcome back. Um, Victor, before we talk about Hunter Biden, I just want to remind everybody who's in the area that there is a talk on February 6th, Monday at 6 p.m. at the Clovis Community College, Daniel D. Martino, and he's speaking on the problems of socialism, and he is from Venezuela, so it'll be a personal view, and please um, text your attendance at 5594927282 that's 5594927282 so they can kind of get a gauge on how many people are coming thank you um victor the the hunter biden has a lawsuit and i think the um we were talking about it but the key person that he is targeting is the poor guy who he left it at the computer shop and i was wondering if you had some more reflections on that case
2: i mean this is sort of analogous to uh what we were just talking about with representative omar wasn't it because we were talking about types of special treatment and so in america if you can claim an identity politics victimization dash oppressed status you will get uh, unequal treatment that is beneficial but if you're also from the bicoastal establishment and you're or wealthy or you're politically connected that serves the other end of the spectrum and that's what hunter does so he knows that uh, well, let me just preface it this way joe biden said when this laptop was exposed and the new york post ran with it he said that it was russian disinformation He was in a debate with Donald Trump, and Donald Trump mentioned the laptop from hell, and he said that it was Russian disinformation. They interviewed Hunter Biden on four occasions in which they asked him specifically, they being the liberal press, is this yours? He said, I don't remember once. It could be. I don't know. It may be. I doubt it so he basically did not own up to it okay so now the laptop is reached a red red line and the red line is this that it has information on it that may reflect and we don't know the answer but it may reflect his unlawful perusal of government documents that were classified in his father's possession among other things because there's a special investigation of him right now and there are uh, congressional appeals to release other documents so he has got some of the most expensive uh, we expensive lawyers in the nation where the how and where the money is coming from since he's has no does he have any visible, uh, I can't. I can't think of any visible f- form of support. do You, I mean, no,
1: no, no, no absolutely, no. He, not. No, he
2: has none. So he's got this high-priced team, and the first thing they did, and I don't know why you pay a thousand dollars an hour for a bunch of idiots, but that I mean, I'm not a lawyer. My mother was a lawyer, and I learned a lot about the law from her, but I think the first thing you do is you're very careful and you don't self-incriminate. So one of the first things they did was they requested uh, from the DOJ, think of that, that the son of the president is asking his father's DOJ to do him a favor by investigating this poor John Paul McIsaac, I guess his name was, that uh, he improperly released contents uh, of the laptop that was Hunter's. And then all of a sudden, somebody said, oh, my God, Hunter, you know what we just did? You just paid me $1,000 this last hour. I just admitted that the laptop was yours, but you've denied it. And the President of the United States said it wasn't yours. What the hell? What are we going to do? Oh, I know what we're going to do. We're going to print a addendum. So they went back out and said, We want to clarify and say that if the contents were hunters or if they were somebody that was simulating that they were, we feel that this is an infringement on his personal property. And then they went after this McIsaac guy. And so the guy turns out to be really smart. And he understood when he got this laptop. That he fixed it and they had stuff on. He called Hunter apparently two or three times. Hey, you're over the 90 days and you haven't picked it up. And I've spent money on this and I'm out money and I've got this thing here. Would you please pick it up? And there was no reply. There was no reply because Hunter's a crackhead. Yep. And I've dealt with people in my immediate vicinity that have had drugs and you don't deal, you can't deal with them. And he can't deal with Hunter. So according to the contract and believe me everybody knows that if I mean there's a whole isn't there a whole TV show on storage containers that are abandoned and <laughs> so you you buy you buy them sight on scene and then presto we open it up like Geraldo's vault and see whether the stuff that you can claim is it's not yours right but it right. is your, it is the storage companies they own it because it, they haven't paid their bill so this guy yeah. didn't pay his bill so the guy owns it so that's ridiculous that he hunter owns his laptop he didn't own any of it The guy can do whatever he wanted because he confiscated it because hunter owed him money and hunter signed a contract so why are they doing all this they're trying to scare people and trying to say oh my god let's not let's just stop and the the thing that we're not talking about was the only real important issue was the laptop for almost a year before the 2020 election was known the new york post printed a number of articles from that referenced the laptop that made pretty everybody sure that it was authentic Tony Bobolinski went on 60 minutes of all formats and quoted chapter and verse why that laptop was authentic and guess what happened the FBI who had paid Twitter three million dollars did its best to suppress that story Twitter killed it Facebook killed it they killed the New York Post, and people started reviling Miranda Devine, who, Devine, who, who had exposed it. So that that's it, it. It combines a lot of very bad aspects of American society. One is this idea of privilege that you're Hunter Biden, and you can get these high-priced lawyers to bully a small computer store repairman who has no resources and did exactly what was you know what his contract called for and tried to bull him into submission and then you lie 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 if you're the president of the United States to the American people in an American debate and you not only lie you call up your lackeys John Brennan and and James Clapper and say I need some I need some cover and they get 50 50 of our quote unquote most distinguished intelligence operatives who lie and publish a letter on the eve of the election that says that the laptop is a product of Russian disinformation. But wink, nod, sorta, of, kinda. It seems like it is, so that the media doesn't put the seams in, right? But the seams is there so that when they've know that it's it is it is an a authentic laptop. And after Joe Biden gets elected, when you go back and you say, listen, you guys are pathological liars. You tried to warp an election. We said seams. We said yeah. seems. That's what they were doing. And, yeah. and, that's, and that's what Joe Biden referenced. He said to Donald Trump, oh, that's such a lie. This is Russian disinformation. You should know about that. James Clapper, some of the most distinguished people in the United States have, have authenticated that it was Russian disinformation. Huh. They should be ashamed of themselves. You should. And so, and so I don't know what a judge. They're going to have to get the most left-wing Obama judge to adjudicate this because any judge who sees this is going to ask Hunter's lawyers, well, you just said that you're not even sure it's Hunter's. But you said it was Hunter's. Which is it? And did you mean you don't have a contract that Hunter didn't sign when he dropped off the laptop? Did Hunter ever return the guy's calls? We have phone records. We can easily ascertain that. Did he ever call back? And so after 90 days... The owner of the computer store doesn't have the rights of possession, as a you know, as a counter or as some compensation for the time he put in, and that's what that I just that's don't important. think it's going to go. It's yeah. just like it's just incredible because in the old days, when there was Roger Clinton and Billy Carter and Don Nixon, right, and what was uh, Aunt what was her name? The Obama aunt that he threw under the bus.
1: Oh, so, yeah, I can't remember. And then they
2: That's had fine. another another yeah. cousin or brother that was, they're all in trouble. They were immigration violators, they violated welfare. But the point is, everybody understood that a, president, a president's sibling, and, and there was the Bush kid, too, that was involved in Silverado, the younger brother. Wow. Uh, and all of them have, you know, embarrassments. Yeah, and, sure. And, Don't and, forget
1: and gin and tonic.
2: Yes. Well, they, they all they did is have a gin and tonic, the two, the two Bush girls. But I mean, usually it is a brother who has resentments against the more successful sibling that's in the White House. And they kind of leverage that. And yeah. they say, oh, you want me to get drunk in public? You want me to urinate, the, you know, in public? Ha ha ha. And they get indulgences. But everybody knows that. But this guy broke the rules. He went so far beyond that by taking pictures of him naked with hookers, with calling his father up and asking for more money, for setting up a family Ponzi shakedown mafioso scheme, for hawking this pathetic art. And that really prompts the question, why is he doing this? You know, why is he doing this? It's, and, and I think the answer is in the, the email exchanges with his cousin. Mm-hmm. And when he says, hey, I've been carrying this family. Resentment
1: of his father. Yeah, exactly.
2: Exactly. He said, I've been carrying them. The big guy, Mr. 10%, I even pay the bills for him at his house. And I think Joe Biden thinks, you know what? This kid of mine is no damn good, but he's crazy. And he has ability because he went out. And shook down foreign governments using my name with my permission and my encouragement. and he made me a multimillionaire, and I'm happy he did because I got three nice homes. but he he can say anything about me. And if I don't tell the world that he's the quote, smartest man I've ever met, he could get really angry. And that's yeah, yeah, that's and it, so that's, that's where
1: we stand, yeah, that is. Well, that's about it. Um Victor let's turn then to the Ukrainian war. We're coming on the anniversary. I think they invaded Russia invaded but on were, February 23rd, was yeah, it? Yeah,
2: I think it was.
1: 23rd, maybe the 26th. But anyway, we're coming on its anniversary and the Ukraine war seems to be going on and on and I wanted to discuss the possibility or what your thoughts were are are we being drawn is this now a, a formally a proxy war and how does it measure up to other proxy wars, either recent past or distant past. I mean, for example, I I would think that the Greeks had, the Athenians and the Spartans had their own proxy wars. but.
2: But there's two types of proxy wars. There's a proxy war when you have two major powers, right? So Germany and Japan and the democracies, with some help from the Soviet Union communists in the Spanish Civil War so that each side supplies arms and maybe even advisors and stealthily some pilots or something in a war between two separate powers that's a proxy war Spanish Civil War or what happened uh at the uh, on the eve of the Peloponnesian war that is the period from 430 to 431 were two major powers, Corcyra, who was democratic, and Corinth, that was oligarchic, had uh, these disputes over Epidamnus and places, Apollonia, uh, which became Apollonia up in northern Greece. And the question was, the Athenians then were going to support the claims of the Corcyra and the oligarchs of Corinth look for support in Sparta. And then eventually, these things heat up. And it draws in. And the other proxy war is that one of the major powers is actually fighting. Like Hitler is fighting Britain, and you are then giving money to Britain to defeat Hitler. It's not just two two other parties and each side is fueling them, and that's more what this is. In other words, a major superpower, nuclear power, and as Putin says, this is the only time in history that a nuclear power uh, has been fighting a huge conventional war on its border against the proxy, proxy efforts of NATO or its enemies. And so that's what's different about it. But that one of them, it's and I'm, I mean that in the sense, that's what's more dangerous about it. It's not just Kazakhstan and Ukraine or Belarus or Ukraine fighting and Russia pouring in weapons and we doing the other. It's more sort of like us in Iraq or Afghanistan and Putin sending in weapons to the Taliban or the Iranians getting involved. It's a lot more dangerous. There is, why do
1: you say that? Why, why is it more because you can
2: draw. you can draw a major power in because he's in. And I'll give you an example. During the Vietnam War... Uh, We tried to shut down the Ho Chi Minh Trail, and we sometimes succeeded, but we could not stop the maritime shipment at the harbor of Haiphong from China and Russia. So there was a question arose, could you mine that harbor? Yes, you could. We could have stopped it easily. But then the point was, well, you'll blow up a Russian ship and you'll be in a nuclear war. So we didn't do it to our disadvantage. And when we started to have our two bombing campaigns over Hanoi, they had Russian-supplied anti-ballistic missiles. They shot down over 500 American planes. Wow. And and we know now, in retrospect, they were Russian advisors. And during the Korean War, when we were fighting along MIG Alley, near the chinese border we we when the mig 15s came in and they were superior to our f 80s we know now that there were russian pilots in in those planes and we mm-hmm. killed a lot of them so my point is that when you when you have a uh, a major power like russia and it will it will it show the restraint that we did should the united states do what it's doing and increase that. And I don't know. I don't think it will because it's not like us. I mean, we we said, yes, the Iranians uh, and are getting involved in hurting us. Yes, the Syrians are. And yes, the Russians are playing an active role in, in encouraging that. Yes, North Korea is shooting missiles and threatening us. And China is playing an active role in that yes, Russian pilots are flying MiGs and killing Americans in Korea, they're playing it, but but we're not going to respond accordingly against them. And so our attitude is this. Okay, Mr. Putin, Russia, you have done this against the United States every time that it was directly engaged. Now you're directly engaged, and we're going to do to you what we did to you under Reagan and Afghanistan. We're going to supply the hell out of them as our proxies. The only problem with it is Lloyd Austin and Millie shouldn't be so triumphalist. You know, we want to make sure that we're going to so erode the ability of uh, Russia to stage expeditionary operations that they won't be able to do this. You don't tell people that. You deny Mm, it. No. And that's what's strange about it. We're bragging. And then when you juxtapose all of these efforts to this non existent southern border where 6 million people have crossed and you you know you juxtapose it to what happened in afghanistan and you say to yourself what is the mill and the balloon and you say you know what the the united states can't even protect itself from disgrace in afghanistan and my god the united states has a balloon a chinese balloon going over its territory my god six million people across the border with impunity and we're, we're We've suddenly made that Ukraine is more important than all of that. So that that's what's strange about it. And so and the other strange thing about it is usually the aggrieved party that of the proxy war. So when we were helping South Vietnam, whether it was General Kai or General Thu, Thu uh, they were, you know, they they were combative. But we told them this is what you're going to get. Right. Mm, our, yeah. And our, our Mr. Rhee and, and Korea, this is what you're going to get. And then we gave it, and they were happy to get it. They didn't turn around and say, I mean, Chiang Kai shek did a little bit. He bit the hand of you. But the problem with Zelensky is no sooner does he get a particular Patriot billion, billion, billion dollar battery, are these Hi Mars, or whatever you call them, these missile, these very accurate missile platforms, or Humvees. Then it's, but, but where are the Abrams tanks? We want, we wanted the tanks. So then you give him the Abrams tanks. He said, Well, where are the F-16s? We want the F-16s. And you know, when you give him the F-16s, he's, he's going to say, Well, where are the F-35? So mm-hmm. there's a, a complete density on his part. And it's all predicated on the idea that he has the image, I don't think he was culpable, but during the impeachment of Trump, Ukraine, and during that, I go back earlier, during the 2016 election, given Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's involvement with Ukraine, given going way back to Victoria Newland and the American involvement with Ukraine, uh, and given the Ukrainian ambassador was writing, I think, an op-ed attacking Trump in the 2016. Given the ubiquitous Lieutenant Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel Congressman Nunez, I'm Lieutenant Colonel Vinman. That guy, uh, who was offered the Defense Ministry, he told us three times of Ukraine while he bragged that his loyalties were only to the United States. We have a long history is what I'm trying to say with Ukraine. So a lot of people have conflicted views. Yes, it was invaded. Yes, we want the Russians to lose. Yes, uh, they're preferable in this war. But what nobody is talking about is, one, there's been over 200,000 dead. At what? W- what is the trajectory? How many more dead? Two, we're inching closer and closer and closer to a showdown. With the so with the former Soviet Union Russia Federation. It's just a fact. Because mm-hmm. because it people don't and you and I've talked about this ad nauseum. I kept saying the same thing. It's like a broken record. I know people, please excuse me, listeners, but they do have 30 times the territory, 10 times the GDP, three and a half times the population. So they have the ability to grind down Ukraine. The only reason Ukraine has not been ground down because it's been heroic. And more importantly, the, it has the combined multi-trillion dollar economies of the, e, the EU and the United States. And we've been pouring stuff in there, economic and military aid. But nevertheless, on the ground, they're going to put more and more and more and more Russians in there one way or the other. It's a totalitarian authoritarian system that will put soldiers in there and they will be able to grind Ukrainians down unless... Zelensky can get more and more and more and more platforms and more and more and more risky operations. So you're already hearing in the United States, if anybody goes online and looks at particular magazines, websites, uh, they will inform us that Zelensky cannot win unless he gets superior F-16, refitted F-16s, not just 50 or 60 Leopards and uh, British, I don't know if they're challengers or whatever they call them, and Abrams, but maybe two, three hundred, and additional Patriot batteries. And, and this is the killer, and that they stage offensive operations into russia and do to russia what russia is doing to ukraine and what the problem with that is not the morality or the logic of it it's perfect logic and it's moral to do, to pay back what they did to ukraine but we don't live in a moral logical world we live in a crazy world in which vladimir putin has 7000 nuclear weapons and ukraine has zero and it's a big big country and so what you want to be fair and logical and moral isn't so and they have the ability to say you know what if you take out a russian if you take out a russian apartment building or you hit any more russian fuel or you take out any more russian ships we're going to send in a a tactical nuclear weapon see how you like it just for the hell of it everybody says well what good would that do all it would do is wreck the legacy that no one's used a tactical nuclear weapon since Hiroshima in a combat situation. Yes. And there would be no military target. Yes. And it would the winds might blow the opposite way and hurt Russia. Yes. And therefore he might do it. <laughs> just just for the, the F of it. And yeah. so I don't think they understand his mind very well. And it's it's again, I, I remark. I have close friends. I mean, it's it's so weird how this cause has captured and engulfed them and obsessed them. And it's a good cause, but they don't give a damn about the border. They never talk about it. They never. I'm just sitting here in Central California, and 18 miles away, the cartels executed six people, shot a woman and her child in the head. They they run. They run this state. And just the other day, the first Salma police officer in history was executed basically by a gangbanger. And no no one's, no one these are problems just yesterday a person was riding on the PCH, a doctor, an MD, on his road bike, and a criminal tried to run him over. And then when he knocked him over, that wasn't good enough. So he got out and stabbed him to death. And oh, my God. So I'm worried about all that. And and my, I'm more worried about the people who live along the Rio Grande, whose communities are being destroyed, and people in the central San Joaquin Valley, whose whole lives are overturned with illegal immigrants, than I am about the Ukraine. I'm sorry, I am. And yeah. They're going to they're say, well, you can worry about both, Victor. But you don't. You never do. Because you could stop. Mallorca's tomorrow, if you had bipartisan pressure of the caliber that you're using in Ukraine, all that pressure from our elites in the Senate and the permanent government that explain over $100 billion Ukraine could have been applied to equally to other problems that are much more germane to Americans. And they don't. They don't.
1: Yeah. Well, Victor, um, Wolf, there's a few more things on this Ukraine war I want to talk to you on, but let's take a break for some messages first and come back and we'll have a few more things on the Ukrainian war. We'll be right back. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite
2: seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes.
1: Every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But You'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. We're back. Victor, um, I was looking at the Federalist the other day and there is a article by warren davidson and he was saying the three who want a the war to go on and on or who will benefit from a long war and his three were this putin if the war goes on ukraine doesn't get into nato is what he said the military industrial complex and we always hear that argument and then china and as long as the u.s is depleted by this war China grows stronger. What are your thoughts on those beneficiaries of a long war?
2: Hold it just a second. Uh, Can we stop it for a second? Yeah. Okay, so I want you to rephrase that again because the dog came right up to the door. I thought he was going to bark and I got up for a second. Can you oh, just go? okay.
1: Yeah, okay. Just go. Um, okay, wait. So before Robert starts this yeah. up again, I said uh, the three who want the war to go on or benefit from a long war are Putin, who keeps the Ukraine out of NATO by a long war, the military-industrial complex, and China, for whom the longer the U.S. is kept into a war and depleted by it, the stronger it grows.
2: Yes. Well. We okay. Know- so. F-
1: Five, four, three, two, one. Oh, wait. Oh,
2: wait, oh stop. Go back again. So yeah. I, I, I'm having a, what do you call it? Just cut out just a second.
1: Oh, it's okay. It's probably my side.
2: Yeah. Though. Okay. Well, yeah. It, that's the problem. Just so, go back, yeah, yeah. Just go back and do it again, Robert. We'll just, just right now, very quickly, before we go back, you want, we want to have Putin and then you fade it
1: oh okay before we go back okay so i said putin wants to have a long war because he'll keep the ukraine out of NATO that way yes the the military industrial complex will benefit from a long war and china uh um, okay. As long as the United States is depleted by the war, it grows stronger. Yeah. Okay. In- so
2: do you need to repeat that, or have you already said? No,
1: it? I don't. I've said all of that. So we'll just start with your. Okay. View.
2: Okay. So five, four, three, two, one. Well, I don't know. If Putin is a beneficiary. He made a strategic mistake when he thought that he could have a thunder road lightning strike to decapitate the government in Kiev and just absorb the country. I think if you ask Putin today, go back a year ago to February 23rd, would you do what you're doing now? he would say, no, I think he's sort of like Hitler. Oh, right around October of 1942, he would probably say, oh, I shouldn't say he probably would. He said to Guiderian, if I had have known about the T-34s, I never would have went into Russia. And then he he talked about all the reasons why he didn't go into Russia. And then he said, you know, they were going to attack uh, all these crazy lies. Um I don't think they were going to preempt. That's a big controversy. But my point is at this point it's not in Russia's interest uh to be in Ukraine in in the narrow sense. They've lost a hundred thousand plus dead. They've lost over a thousand, maybe fifteen hundred tanks there military-industrial complex is uh exhausted and they're going to have to continue to fight because if they they're an autocracy and if he loses prestige at home he's in danger of being removed because there is no constitutional system and he's you know the chinese are looking at him right now and the south and the north koreans and the iranians and the syrians are thinking hmm. Should we still stick with this guy or not? So I don't think he's benefiting anymore. I think he would have had he been able to pull it off as he thought he could, and as apparently our Pentagon insisted that he would. Our industrial military, well, uh, up until now, we were spending less on GDP than almost any time in recent memory. And they were sort of it, you know, they had this strange thing where they want all of the conservatives to support the defense budget so we buy more weapons from them. But then they're also woke. But the woke social activism, social services aspect of the Pentagon is so huge now. And I'm I'm including, you know, benefits, retirement, uh, bureaucracies, that there's less and less money for their weapons. And because they felt in a cost of benefit analysis the best thing for them to do was to sell you know 14 billion dollar aircraft carriers and five million dollar tanks and 150 million dollar jets we don't have very many of them and so this comes along and a lot of what they're selling and and you know producing are smaller stuff artillery shells uh You know, ammunition for personal weapons, mines, all that stuff. And they're really, you know, they're really gearing up for it. They're really producing it. And more importantly, in their view, we're at a historical low as far as our reserves of javelins, our reserves of artillery shells, our our reserves of everything. So when this thing is over, they're going to get huge orders. And so, yeah, in a very simplistic reductionist sense, anytime they make a product, It's like a farmer when he sends raisins to the raisin packer and they're sitting out there and nobody's using them. You want somebody to go, you know, and consume them because then you can replace them from the raisins that you have stacked up. But if nobody consumes them, then they just sit there. And the only way you can replace them is when they get old or obsolete or moldy or something. So, yeah, it's in their interest. And China... It's very strange about China. I think anytime it views the world as controlled by four centers of power, the United States and its Asian allies, Taiwan, South Korea, Australia, Philippines, and Japan, the EU, right, the EU itself, and Russia. And anytime you can get all of those people fighting, not you but each other, and it's expensive, that's in their that's in their interest. So the idea that Europe now is sending a lot of its military wherewithal, such as it is, to Ukraine, and the United States is draining its strategic stocks to Ukraine, and Russia is bogged down. Uh, it, it, it thinks it's the winner. Absolutely. They're the winner so far. And they would love to see this go on for two or three more years. And the United States to be completely depleted depleted of its strategic missile capability, it will have to put its uh, shipbuilding on hold to supply all this weapons that, we, that we're consuming in Ukraine. And they would like to see the EU uh obsessed with ukraine they would like i think they would even they don't want russia to lose that's for sure because russia is doing them a favor by occupying the attention of the west where they send over balloons and stuff but mm. th- and then they're also they're also looking out because it's a laboratory like the spanish civil war was for hitler and stalin he's looking at this and trying to they're trying to, as we're speaking right now strategists in china are trying to calibrate. To what degree this was wise or stupid and it depends a lot on who wins so if russia should win and have a spring a spring offensive and they crack open the ukrainian army and they just start sprinting across ukraine then they'll probably invade taiwan they'll say you know what we have 1.4 billion people we have 10 times the population that russia has uh i think russia has 140 million ten times that much. So we, we don't care about human life. That's not the problem. We just want to know if it's doable because Taiwan's across this ninety, you know, mile sea. So they're looking. And so it, it's valuable for them too. What yeah. they do what they don't want to happen is for you Russia to be completely humiliated and defeated, and Ukraine to be triumphant and push every Russian back beyond their And then the United States and the EU take a victory lap and then keep defense spending up at that level to replace their stocks. And then Russia gets so pissed off that it sends a nuclear weapon in -hmm. some fashion because they don't want that at all. Not that they don't mine nuclear weapons, but they've got about 300 of them and we've got 6,800 of them. And they don't want that threshold to be lowered until they get what they need. And they're and by the way, they're they're doing all they can twenty four seven to build as many strategic new nu- nuclear weapons as they can. A lot of it with American technology they steal.
1: Isn't the problem with these proxy wars that they they tend to kill a lot of civilians, and I don't know if it's more than World War II, for example. But but in, wars in the past didn't tend to involve the civilian population. But now these proxy wars, in particular, seem to take a high toll. Well, they on the-
2: they they did they did involve the civilian um, population. You know, in the the city's history, of the Peloponnesian War, we know that from the period 431 until his narrative um, runs out of gas and. And I shouldn't say runs out of gas, but stops abruptly in 411, that there are events that other to, historical traditions that are that survive in places like Diodorus or Plutarch, we know that there were events that he doesn't talk about. But he does look at particular events that he thinks are iconic. And You know, the median dialogue is one, because it wants to show the change into a ruthless, imperialistic power on the part of Athens, or the expedition of Sicily, that famous thing in Book 7, Section 87, 6, where he says uh, this was the most catastrophic defeat in Hellenic history, and the the invaders were defeated, humiliated, and lost in every aspect, and few of many came home. So, and one of them is Corsaira, modern-day Corfu, where the oligarchs, and the democrats and these were civilians were fighting and it was kind of a revolutionary war and this is where he took off in that famous riff on language that words had to change their meaning under the the pressures of the time and it was kind of a brother versus brother and then it was fueled by the oligarchs of sparta and the democrats of Athens helping their particular faction and in fact you're right about civilian uh civilians today. But I think it's always been true that a lot of these proxy wars begin, like Vietnam or Korea, over civilian uh, or civil wars over ideology or politics. Often, and the country is split in two, or there's two factions vying for control of the country. and And that's what explains it. And that means, by definition, there's a lot of civilians that are killed what's bizarre about this one is that russia just sends over missiles and artillery shells and blows up people you know blows up plants blows up civilian apartments kills and there hasn't been very many civilians killed in russia because putin has suggested as i said that that would be a threshold when i said that was a threshold i didn't mean that it's not as i said it's logical that they should do that but what's logical and moral is very difficult to achieve here because if you start doing what russia did to you it might be militarily effective but at some point you're going to change this war into an attack on mother russia and that never works out well
1: mm, if you no. start
2: if you start doing that and so mm-hmm. it is one sided it's it's asymmetrical it's one sided again what i the only thing that i don't quite understand i understand the neoconservative nation building victoria newland state department all that stuff and people that i used to know very bill crystal robert kagan david Frum, all those guys want you know to get us to get involved and win and spread that i understand that but what i don't understand is the zeal and this cause that the left has has picked up on i don't quite understand it because the left was always very critical of this and the left was always um how dare you use american assets abroad when we have social problems at home or who are you we're so bankrupt who are us who are we to say who's better than that person or that person we shouldn't get involved or they're isolationists so I, this is very strange that they've adopted this as a cause celebre. And as I said before, it's almost as if the Russian collusion petered out, the laptop petered out, it didn't work. The, pe- the impeachment, the Clapper, uh, Trump is a Russian asset, that didn't work. It was hum- they've been humiliated. It's all been discredited by the IG and by parts of the Mueller report and the media. Finally, so now they think, well, Putin really was horrible. We were right. He was horrible. So we're go- this is what we're going to prove. We're going to get rid of him. Yeah. And I'm just, as an observer, I'm just flabbergasted because I went back the other day and retrieved my name plus Russia from 2008 to the present day. And I think I wrote over 30 essays. And they all were the same. They were sort of boring and monotonous. It was be very careful about reset no george bush did not antagonize putin he went into georgia over Osatia. that was a that was a right thing to do to sanction him no this idea you're just going to push a jacuzzi button in geneva and everything's going to be all right and why don't you reply what where is the obama administration in 2000 14 when he went into eastern Ukraine? Why are you letting them take Crimea? Why don't you sell the Ukrainians Javelins? Why don't you up the sanctions on the oligarchs? Why don't you get out of that stupid blank, blank, asymmetrical missile treaty? Why, if the Russian mercenaries or the, the precursors to the Wagner group are bullying, attacking our assets in the Middle East, particularly Syria, why don't you just lower the boom on them? why don't we flood the united states our allies the world with cheap oil we can do it and crash the world price of oil and make putin go broke that's what i wrote yeah and then trump came along and i thought wow this is pretty good because he's doing this and more and then i thought wow how can they be calling him a russian stooge asset when he's 10 times tougher on russia than was Obama? Is it because he said st- stupid crap that he was kidding, like, "Hey, Putin, if you have Hillary's Hill ma- emails, tell us what what's in them," you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then the next day, New York Times, Donald Trump seriously suggests that the Russians should, who is in he's in communication with, should disclose. You know, that's yeah. I guess that's what it was. But he he was so much harder on. Ukraine that was the Clinton-Obama-Biden nexus. And by gosh, we wouldn't be talking about this, Sammy, if they had have reacted in 2014. And it's almost as if there's some motto carved in a building somewhere in Washington that said, thou shalt not criticize Barack Obama. Thou Commandment two, thou shalt never bring up the hot mic conversation in Seoul. Because that's what he did. In March of 2012, he said to Medved, he said, tell Vladimir, by the way, and nobody thought they could hear him, so it was inadvertent and therefore honest. Uh, He said, this is my last election. If you be flexible and give me some space, I'll be flexible on missile defense. And that's what happened. He He was flexible and dismantled missile defense. Putin did not go into Crimea and embarrass him. He did not go into eastern Ukraine and embarrass him. Obama got reelected. Putin got his missile system canceled, and then he went in, and then Obama didn't do anything. So that would be, if that had been Trump, that would have been an impeachable offense for collusion. and Because that was a deal. That was a deal that the president of the United States used his personal interest of being reelected at the expense of the United States' national security, Issue, which was a joint project in Eastern Europe. I think our ambassador, Rick Graber, uh, during the Bush administration had worked very hard to establish the basis for a missile defense system with the Czechs. And, and we just. Pol- threw it away. In Poland, too. Yeah, in right? Poland, we threw it away. We threw it yeah. away. We did not want to antagonize Russia. And for those very people who were the architects of that, reset. And I won't mention any names because some of them are my colleagues. But the very fact that they were the architects of that, and then for them to turn around and call people soft on Russia and assets and poodles is disgusting. It really is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it certainly feels like today that the United States is like a pin cushion that Russia and China are just poking at it. And Trying to see if it's going to turn well, around. Well, if you were it, to buy it,
2: yeah, if you were the left and you looked at the world right now, you would say the following: What does China have on Joe Biden? What does he have on Joe Biden? Because he, he does not. Get tough on sanction. He won't discuss the origins of the Wuhan virus. It's taboo. We all know it came from the lab. Yet every member of that damn administration keeps clinging to the lie about some pangolin or bat or something. He he won't talk about this balloon. What 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 is it? When he when he went over there as vice president with with Hunter and they got all these millions in Chinese investment. Is that it? I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying I believe that, but that's exactly what they said about Trump.
1: Yeah. Which, well, I was going to conclude this by asking you what you expect from the State of the Union next week. But you just I know, started. I'm,
2: <laughs> what do we expect? I know what we're going to expect. What? Well, there was a two polls this last week. Every, I mean, repeat that, every major issue Joe Biden is underwater. He has less than 45% on the border. He has less than 45% on Ukraine, believe it or not. He has less than 45% on the economy. He has less than 45% on social relations within the United States, i.e. race. He has less than 45% on energy. Okay, so he's not going to say i got you seven percent inflation although today he said inflation's going down I, I think you better wait on that one yeah. but but my point is he's going to talk about that he created a lot of jobs and he created a lot of jobs i said because people are looking for second jobs and more importantly we were in a depressed economy after covid he came in and people at least some of them, started to see their COVID entitlement support under him start to taper off and they're re-entering the workforce. And inflationary wages are so high now that you're starting to attract people back in to the workforce. But it's not because we have dynamic new industries or stuff like that, or we're robust. The interest rates on a home, a 30-year home mortgage in some places are already 7%. When he gets up to 9 and they're going to raise rates further this year, uh, that's going to kill. The housing market is, is overpriced and not moving, but it's not in freefall yet. Give it another three months when somebody puts his house for sale and says, this is a million-dollar house. I know because I bought it for a million dollars two years ago yeah it's not it's worth six hundred thousand, and you can put it on the market for nine months if you want but you're not going to get that million dollars for it but they haven't got to that point yet Is what i'm trying to say and the point is when oh oh, i don't have any money i gotta move i got a job out of state or my gosh my mom is in a restroom i need the money or my kids are in school i gotta pay their tuition i gotta get unload this house when that starts to happen, when they get into a... fight, And that's happening, just starting. But as you look at the data, then we'll see a bad economy. So what is he going to talk about? He's going yeah, to do what he <laughs> Well, you know what he's going to talk about. He did it right he's before gonna, the election. You know, ultra, ultra, ultra MAGA, ultra MAGA, ultra MAGA, the ultra MAGA agenda, Donald Trump, the ultra MAGA, the far right. Da, da, the House extremists, the House people who didn't pass Build Back Better point, 2.0, uh, Inflation Reduction Act 3.0. It's the right wing, the right wing, the right wing. That's what he's you, you Look at his face when he talks. When he talks about what he's done, it's going to... Joe like I've Biden, I've created more jobs than any other president in history. And then look at his face when he talks about MAGA and Trump. And yeah, that MAGA, the silly fashion. That—that's the only thing that prompts him. And he's always been that way. <laughs> I went back and looked at the tapes of the, of the Robert Bork hearings and the Clarence Thomas hearings, and the only time he got animated is when he went on the attack yeah. on, Bo- on Bork and Thomas. And he's always been that way. He—he he really yeah. doesn't. He really is a. You, the, the poor truck driver that tried to swerve from his first wife when she, I think, entered the intersection. He went after that guy. He was merciless. He, he, he's merciless. He's not a nice mm-hmm. person, and so that's what animates him.
1: Yeah. Well, I I remember last year he just said everything was going great and had all the you know the economy and the um, I don't know even I think he might even suggested policing et cetera and anybody looking at the the United States at the time would be like that was just a complete lie. So I just expect him to do another. Well, he'll do that as well. Yeah,
2: but I don't think he'll talk too much about the stuff there where there's hard data. He'll say things like "I think he will say." Well, gas prices are going down. I mean, they're not going to go down where they were when two thirty-five or two forty nationwide when he came into office. And you know, interest rates are starting to taper off, and inflation's starting to read. We do. He'll say that starting to, but hasn't. Or the, all the indicators are positive, or robust job job growth will power the economy. That kind of stuff. Yeah, but it's not. But it's going to be, you know. The ultra mega, the ultra mega, the people who want to take away the back alley abortionist, uh, the people who don't want Tommy, your son, to get a student loan uh, forgiven. You know, we have people who are working six jobs and they took out some money. All they wanted was to go to school and they were laid on a pay- and then And there they go. They don't allow us to give them, you know, a little bit of help, that kind of stuff yeah and then yeah, the republicans are going to shut down all they want to do is shut down they just want another tax cut for rich we know what it's coming is in other words and it will be mumbled and he'll be pretty robust for the first 10 minutes with his adderall and 20 hours of sleep and then after 10 minutes it'll be that kind of i don't know what to call it slushy it i mean after I had a bike accident, you know, and I had a hundred and what seventy stitches, seventy of them inside my sewed my lips together. I, I shouldn't talk because I have trouble trouble pronouncing words now because I have you know dead spots in my lips from the nerve damage, and my cheeks are all you know they're scarred inside from they they went in. So I, I'm very sympathetic to that, but I that being said, you can't understand fifty percent of what he says. It's not because he's meandering. It's that's you know what I'm talking about. That I don't yes. know what it is. It kind of reflux breath or uh, slurring his words. Slurring,
1: like, yeah, slurring. He's just it's kind of elides over words. Yes, I think that's it. It would be as if
2: sounds. I said, "It was like so I'm going to," you know, that's what it is. and so I and I guess it's. You gotta give a hand it to the left. They have really manipulated this to their advantage that any incriminating development, uh oh, the investigation is over. We found some classified documents in the University of Penn office in a secure location, but now the investigation is over. Uh, there were some more in uh, papers that showed up in the Biden residence but they were in a secure loop. There were some that uh, appeared in the library. There were some that appeared in the garage, that kind of stuff. Uh, when you when you look at all that, he, he just says, what I'm getting at is when people like his press secretary do that, and they ask him, because these are very embarrassing revelations. I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, then you think, The guy doesn't know where he is. He shakes hands with people who don't exist. He hugs bunny rabbits. He forgets where he he is. He talks to a dead person, a dead congressperson uh, in an audience. Where is? And then the other day, where's Doug? So that's been very effective because people say, you know, I don't think he did know when he took out his Senate papers. I don't think he did know when he took out his vice presidential papers. I don't know whether he ever knew anybody that worked with Hunter. I don't know if Hunter took out a whole file of classified documents to bone up in Ukraine. Joe wouldn't know. See, It's very effective, the fact that he's non-compostmentist. Yeah. And, and you don't know, think of the paradox yeah. of that. Well paradox you got a president of the united states that doesn't have the same level of cognitive ability as most people in the united states and he's dealing with the russians and the chinese and the eu and the arab world and all of these these challenges and he's not up to you know we're i don't know a kindergarten teacher and no yet that's an advantage because when everything goes to hell he says he doesn't know what's going on <laughs> it's the biggest parrot it's the weirdest thing in the world you think at some point somebody in the Democratic Party would say you know he did his job he was an empty vessel and he got us over the finish line and we took over and tried to ram down the throats of a bewildered America a hard left socialist agenda so he did his job but now he's he's worn out we need another vessel so we got to find somebody else maybe Gavin yeah. Newsom I don't know maybe Bernie Sanders but He's getting to the point of but they're not. Yeah. And, and I guess that's because when they look at Spartacus or Pocahontas or Bernie or <laughs> Buttigieg, who I think I saw he was leading in one poll after his tremendous successes as Department of Transportation head. And by the way, I just came out of LAX and walked in the door and all the power went off for almost an hour with canceling. Can you imagine every single electrical outlet out at one of the major airports in the world? And yeah. uh, Pete, Mayor Pete didn't have much to say the next couple of days. But my point is this that they, they don't have a lot of other people. And so I yeah. guess they're, they're going to say he's president. And then when, a, when the president is an incumbent, he has the power of the presidency. And you can see what the power of the presidency was during the midterms. If he got in a jam, then. He can promise amnesties for loans and dope, or he can drain the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to get the price of gas down. The president can do a lot of stuff. So that's, that's something that I guess they're thinking about that's in a, on the plus yeah. side of another otherwise long negative ledger.
1: Yeah, and the presses can get clips of him where he sounds very lucid so the left wing presses are going to play him as look at how lucid he is and that's what their constituency will see so we'll see who's got the greater constituency I guess in the long run
2: I think so well,
1: well Victor we better end it here because we're way over but it's been a really fine time with you today Thanks so. thank you so much and I'm sure your listeners would like to thank you as well
2: Okay. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Much appreciated.
1: This is Sammy Wink and Victor Davis Hansen, and we're signing off.
2: Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the Dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the Furthermore,